Katie Meadows has overcome incredible odds in her life. She struggled with self-confidence and self-image, and she just wasn't fulfilled in her position as a cocktail server at the Bellagio, so she got into real estate. And in real estate last year, she was in the top 1% of all realtors in the state of Nevada. So I can't wait for you to hear more about Katie's story today. You're going to love it. Katie, we're super excited to have you on the show with us here today. And for the people who don't know you, let's get into a little bit about uh, background about who you are and how you started in your profession. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, by the way. Of course. Um, so a little bit about me is I grew up in Mississippi, basically. I moved to Vegas in around 2003 after I graduated college in Mississippi State. Um, I started working at Bellagio as a cocktail waitress in 2003 when I first moved here. And then about four years ago, I decided I wanted something different for my life. And I had a friend who went into real estate and I was like, well, seems interesting. Like I can make a lot of money and show homes. That's what yep. most people think when they get into real estate. Um, so I did a little um, like a, it was a self-help development course called Synergy. It was like a five-month course, four to five-month course. And in that course, they like do stuff like um, dig deep into like your inner child work and what's holding you back. And they make you set goals. And they're like, well, what are your goals? And I'm like, well, I want to quit Bellagio because I don't feel like self-fulfilled. I was making a lot of money there. I had a pension. Um, you were part of a union. But I just didn't feel like it was my life self, yeah. what I wanted to do. So... I was like, well, I want to quit Bellagio. So one day I just decided in the middle of this synergy class that I was going to go in and quit my job at Bellagio. Um, so that's what I did. And I had went into real estate probably six months prior to that. So leading up to that decision to quit, what what do you think was keeping you at Bellagio for so long? You were there for, what, like about 15 years? Yeah, 15 years. Is that everybody put it in my mind, like you have a pension, you have health insurance, which is super important, but... What I didn't realize is like if I have a job where I make more money, I could just pay for those things anyway. So yeah. and be the self-fulfilled. Um, so the money was holding me there. Obviously, the days off you could get, you could work around your own schedule if you wanted a day off, but in real estate I can do the same thing. Yeah. So those are that was my mindset back at that time. So you had a lot of probably a lot of your support system in your ear about, you know, this is safe, this is secure. Correct. You've got you got a good thing going here. Don't screw it up. So things like that. Yep. Who were who were some of those people in your life? Was that friends? Was that family? It was friends. My mom always was a big supporter of me and she's like, do whatever you want to do. You can do anything with your life. Um I have one sister. She's the same way. She's super supportive. So mostly just friends, people that work there um, because I don't think, yeah, I just think that they're like unhappy there too. But once again, it's the security of having all of those things. You have a full-time job. You're with the union. It's really hard to get fired. Yeah. Um. So. Well, and in that community, if you're in a close-knit group where a lot of your closest friends also work there, to a degree, they're kind of trying to justify too why they're all making the right decision like we're here we're doing yeah. well it's safe it's secure you should do it too yeah right? yeah meanwhile they're not happy either they're like we got to yeah. find other jobs but it's just taking that initial step that is so scary and being like yeah i can do something else and i am okay there's tons of people in the world they're not all working at the casinos yeah absolutely there's a lot of ways to be happy yeah okay. and you talked about this this life course that you did and uh a lot you uncovered a lot of the things that were holding you back. So do you mind sharing some of those things? Um, for me, it's just a lot of stuff that I feel like that happened in my childhood personally um, that I just didn't have a lot of self-confidence. And so I think with Synergy, that started um, building my self-confidence that I could do other things. Um, at the time, too, I had been in a relationship where he had been an entrepreneur for a super long time. So I had that support system behind me too that was like you can do you know this if you need want to do it like go for it but that's just, at the end of the day he said that has to be your choice you know I can't tell you what to do it has to be your choice and you have to be ready for it yeah so I think everybody out there has probably got a similar story they might not all be taking the leap like yeah. you and following that thing that they really want to do like starting a business but I think there's a lot of people out there who are stuck in that safe, secure position. Oh, 100% with anything. It's not just like the casino workers, but it's with anything. You get into a job and you're just super complacent there and you're scared of change and 
you don't want to work the effort because it does take a lot of effort to make change. So a lot of people don't want to put the effort in. They just want to, you know, they're just happy with what, not, I wouldn't even say happy. They're just compl- complacent. Yeah. They've got something that's good, good enough yeah. at least. And, you know, they're looking ahead to, okay, I could have something great. I could do something great. But then again, I also could lose everything. So they stay, they stay with the good enough. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so uh, you built up your confidence a bit. And what were what were some of the biggest factors that really helped give you the confidence to step out on your own and get into real estate? Um, I think just the work that I did in Synergy um, really did um, just help me with my confidence and setting the goals, I would say, was the biggest part. And I think because I do have my other friends that were outside of like that job that also was even I'm not saying that everybody in that job told me to stay there because I did have friends there were like you would be better off just leave so I did have those people that were around me like Katie you can do this and I did go into real estate and have both jobs at the same time where I was starting to make money in real estate and saw the vision with it um so I think just building the confidence from actually doing the real estate and working on myself through the trainings awesome very cool and why why real estate? Did you have somebody that you knew who was in real estate or what made you choose that? Yeah. So I had actually a couple of friends that went into real estate. One back when I was jet ski racing, I mean, like 10 years prior to when I went into it. And I was like, oh, that sounds really fun. I was like, I should do that, you know, make a lot of money. But then I was had other things, other priorities. I was young. I had other priorities at the time. I wanted to jet ski race. And like I said, I had my cocktailing job that I could get time off with. And make my own schedule and everything like that. So it was just what I knew at the time. Fair enough. And when you were when you were at this course and you were setting all of these goals, what did that goal setting process look like? Like, was it just simply making a list or how did that part look? Yeah, it, it was just making a list and we had a certain amount of time to complete the list. So every week we would, or every couple of weeks we would go on the weekend and you'd be locked inside basically this classroom. And obviously I don't want to disclose because it's her training and I love her so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you would be locked inside this classroom where you would you couldn't leave or whatever. You went home at night to sleep, but you were basically locked in here all day. And you were just uh, went home. You would set up your goals, and you would come back and talk about like the goals you completed. And she was just pushing you and driving you towards to make sure that you met all of those goals. But before that, there was a couple of weekends prior to that in the beginning that you were working on your inner child stuff, and then like there was a whole layer pull back layer by layer each time you would go. So it was, I mean, pretty extensive. And so you keep mentioning inner child. So what I've heard that term a lot and yeah. I hear it get thrown around, but yeah, what is, what is your inner child? What does that mean to you? Um, stuff like, you know, not that your parents would want to be mean to you, but like stuff like your parents would do or say like everybody's f- family's not fun, like obviously the perfect family functional, or they would tell you like, don't do that. And that when you're little equates to, no, you can't do that. You know, they would say stuff not meaning to, you know, hurt you, but obviously are uh, bullies in school or, you know, stuff that would just affect you that you didn't realize that had been affecting you of all these years. Or like, I mean, getting into worse things. I mean, like people, um, you know, being molested or sure. whatever it may be that as a child, I mean, in our society, unfortunately, those things do happen more often than they're talked about. So those things as a person makes you feel a certain way. And I feel like, um, yeah, it's just so those things she makes you talk about your like inner secrets and like those things that you don't even want to talk about with other people that are holding you back that your parents yelled at you and maybe said you couldn't do something. You're like holding on to that for dear life. Like I can't do something. So that's what's holding you back in your later life, basically. Got it. Okay. So inner, inner child is basically, you know, patterns that you developed when you were a child through your upbringing that maybe you don't realize, but you actually carry with you yep. into adulthood. So exactly the, you know, the things that I'm still, the behavior and thinking patterns that I still have now that I developed way back when I was little seven-year-old child. Exactly. Or maybe your parents got divorced and you think that that's the way that life is. Like everybody's going to get divorced and now Everybody you don't want to get married. Yeah. Everybody leaves. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. And uh, what were some of those things that you found were, were kind of holding you back? A couple of tragedy things that happened to me when I was super young that are hard for me to talk about still. Yeah, but um, I think that basically turned me into also like I would like to start drinking when I was 16 a lot and do all the 
So you kind of relate to that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, things that I uh, transformed from something that happened to me when I was super young. So I think that that was something that I held on to and something I couldn't really talk about. It's still hard for me to talk about to sure. this day, but I think that that's what really held me back is where my confidence didn't come into place and where I felt like I had to be quiet. And so like now I'm super introverted, so I have to work, like even being here, like I have to work on. <laughs> like We really yeah. appreciate you being <laughs> no, here. No, I appreciate so. the invite. Yeah. So or even stuff like that, like it's just like I felt like I had to be shut down when I was little. So now to be like introverted, I have to work on everything of like going to like big events or like stuff like that, because ultimately one of my dreams, is not only to do real estate, but is to speak on stage. Yeah. And so and to speak on stage about those past traumas that will maybe help women or people in the future that. Sure. Yeah. So Well, I think that shows a ton of your courage just to face those things, because even though we haven't gotten into any details, I think so many people early in their youth or their childhood They'll go through something traumatic, something really serious. And then in a lot of cases, you see that dictates their entire life. So just for, you to, just for you to face that. Yeah. And even though you've still, like, it sounds like you've still got a lot of progress exactly. you want to make. Just the fact that you've, like, put it on the table. Yeah. You're dealing with it. You're not yeah. stuffing it down. You're yeah. not drinking the pain away. Exactly. You're, you're facing it. And I think up until probably about five years or, like, even, like, before I went to Synergy, I mean... I started to have a lot of growth just naturally because you're growing up, you're getting older or whatever. So you start realizing these things or whatever. But I think Synergy just pu pushed it to a whole other level where I could actually just deal with the grief of all of it. Yeah. And just hope that my grief one day could help other people. That's so, really cool. Yeah. So you, you did that, you built up your confidence and you started in real estate. So tell me about like your first couple months in real estate. Was it like you thought it was going to be or? It wasn't. So I thought, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money, like I said, and show these houses. And I actually started out with a different brokerage. Um, I started out with a mentor that I actually purchased my home with before I got into real estate. Um, so she was kind of more into like the age restricted area. But what was going to happen was she was going to retire and like give me all of her clients and stuff. And then I would just obviously have a split with her. Um, so she mentored me through my first process, but then I met my ex, I mean, probably like three months into that. And um, so when we started dating, I actually switched brokerages and we started our team and started to build at that point. Awesome. And overall, like what was something that you thought real estate was going to be that is different now that you're experienced, you're in the, in the zone, you're in the business What's different than kind of the picture that you'd created for yourself? Yeah. So before I didn't think that I was going to have to work all the time, I thought I would just have to show up. Um, I mean, I work constantly. I go in the office. I'm there like by usually by like eight or nine o'clock in the morning. I'm there till late at night. Um, so I think just the phone calls, the the hard work, the work ethic that you have to have, I think just everything, the contracts, the background, the knowledge. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to navigate your way through like contracts and like if something goes wrong. And mm -hmm. so I think it's just, it's just not, nothing about it is easy. <laughs> and that's the, that's the important stuff yeah. too. Yeah. And finding clients. Everybody thinks, oh, you're just going to have people run to you. There's 22,000 agents. Yeah. Not, oh, yeah. just, just post like one or two videos on Instagram. Exactly. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. But people are going to come, but that's not reality. You have to follow up with people. You have to make your phone calls every day. You have to do open houses. You have to do the grit and the grind. And yeah. Yeah. Where would you say nowadays, where would you say most of your clients come from? Most of my clients are uh, my SOI, and it's what SOI means is sphere of influence. Um, so is my people, my clients that I already have that I've known or referrals from them. Um, I would say like all of my business mostly comes from them. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, you you mentioned that you know you you don't actually think you're good at sales, I right? Don't. <laughs> so you you sold nineteen homes, I think, between. August and December, which Correct. is incredible. Most realtors do like yeah. what four a year, yeah. something like mm -hmm. that. So you did. You're doing, you know, five, ten times as much as the average realtor yeah. in sales, and you don't think you're good at sales. No, so, I don't. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, last year, my world shifted. So I'm just going to go a little bit explanation to this. Yeah. Uh, my world shifted a lot. So uh, me and my ex broke up. We were running the big team together. So I actually did around 50 transactions last year completely Wow! over the whole year. But um, we were putting things in his name and everything to build the team. So 
when I left in August and had to restructure my business, 19 is what I did, which I really, you know, anybody in my situation who had like such a crazy experience of going from one thing to another probably wouldn't have done that, first of all. Like, it's just, I mean, my whole world changed and flipped. Um, But yeah, I did 19 sales from August to December. And now I forgot the question. So the question was, for somebody that has had so much success in real yep. estate sales, you don't think you're good at sales. So yep. then wh- where, where's the magic coming from? How yep. are you putting up such incredible numbers when you don't think you're good at sales? Yeah. So I think I say why I'm not good at sales is because when you get into real estate, you're told to like read off these scripts. And like a lot of the scripts are hard for me because I want people to like for me, my like I said before, so my superpower is connection. So I feel like I want people to believe, like I want them to want the house. Like I don't want them to sell them on something that they don't want. So I like reading scripts to me is like super hard. Like I don't want to go in and try to sell them on something that they don't want. Yeah. So my basic thing is like me having enough knowledge to tell you what, you know, you want to know or what's going to make you want to buy that house but not necessarily forcing you into a sale contract that you don't want. So I just, I don't believe I'm good at sales. I believe I have the knowledge to back up why you should buy a house or what's going to make you want to buy the house. Or if you have doubts, I have the knowledge to, you know, fulfill whatever doubt you might have, whatever objective you might have. I have the answer to that, but it's not necessarily that I feel that I'm good at doing a sales technique. Got it. So you, you feel like you're really good at, talking to a person and understanding their needs and Correct. then just fulfilling that. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, for me, that's my definition of sales yeah. right there. You yeah. know, I mean, because I think if the other definition, which is probably a lot of people's definition, convincing people into something they don't want. Exactly, yeah. I think that's just more like manipulation. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I like the way that you say that. That's true, yeah. yeah. But I think that's incredibly powerful insight. So- Okay, let's say if I'm one of your prospects, we're friends, let's say, you know, now that we've connected, we've met each other, let's say if I text you six months from now and say me and my wife are looking at purchasing a home. Yeah. So how do you develop that like thorough understanding with me? How do you understand what we want or what we need? What does your process look like? Yeah, so curiosity is key, right? So I mean, I would ask, I mean, there's a whole like, paper that I have that you know that I already know by heart but if you were a newer agent I was teaching you I'd give you like uh, something to read of like the questions that you would ask obviously just the main questions what are you looking for how are you going to get financing if they have a problem with their credit then you're going to put them with a lender who can pull their credit and help them adjust what they need to adjust because obviously like a lot of people don't know that lenders can also help with credit too because they have the background where they have simulators that can move your credit around or whatever to tell you what you do need to pay off or what you do need to remove from your credit so I would ask all the basic questions and just understand what their needs to be met. If you were downsizing, what do you want to downsize to? If you're, you know, want to upsize, what are you, you know, upsizing to? So just all the basic questions, just curiosity, as many questions as you can ask to figure it out. So first we go over mostly financials, right? Which is like, you're kind of qualifying me financially what I'm going to be able of to course. purchase, yeah. right? Okay. Because I think a lot of people just want to go out and see houses. But at the end of the day, like a lot of agents won't take people who aren't pre-approved out to see houses because they're like, oh, it's just a waste of their time. Well, I don't see it that way. Like most people I'm going to take at least to see one or two houses. So their curiosity is peaked and they know what they want. And then maybe they're going to be more motivated to get the lending portion of it. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I just, I feel like the lending portion is obviously you need the lending to get the house. And I mean, you can look at it two ways. If you take them to the house and then they're super excited and they can't get it, it's disappointing. So it's like, it has to be, you have to know, like really know your client and what they're looking for and what you think that, you know, that they need. Okay. Well, we could kind of use me as an example for people to see your process. So let's say, all right. So let's say for me, if I message you, I want to buy a house. What's the first step in financially what I need to have organized in order to be ready to buy a house. Yeah, if you're talking about like financially, so if you texted me about finances, I would refer you to a lender because I can't do the financial portion of it. So that's okay. what I always say. Like I'm here to help you find the house and do the contracts. But if it was something financially, I would send you to, I would connect you with a lender. So normally I just put them on a group chat with my lender and say, hey, reach out when they have time. And then they connect in that way and they do the financial part. 
Okay. And then I would talk with the lender. They would help me with my credit if that was a problem. Yep. They would show me the different types of loans I could Correct. look at. Yep. And then once they've kind of given me the okay or pre-approved me, then me and you start looking at property. Looking at properties. Correct. Yep. And I, I can give, if they ask me basic knowledge about, I mean, loans and stuff, I can give it, but I can't qualify you. So if you're going to ask me about what's the difference between conventional or FHA or was it 2-1 buy down or something like that? I can answer those questions for you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I can't pre-approve you. So what is a 2-1 buy down? <laughs> so right now, so in this market, because interest rates are higher, obviously, so sellers are and sellers can only pay for it. If the buyer wants to pay for it, they cannot even pay for it. So sellers have to agree. So what sellers are doing right now is they're buying down the interest rate for two years. So the thought behind that is that, say, the interest rate that's six 6.0 right now. So the first year it would be at five. No, the first year it would be at four and the second year it would be at five and then the third year it would be at six. So the thought behind that is interest rates go down, you can refinance to the lower rate and you're already having a lower rate within those years. So it's just helpful for the first couple of years to get into a home, obviously. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, for somebody looking to build a home, what is what does that process look like? I know me and my wife, we, you know, we, the one thing that we've, had challenges with of looking at in Vegas is we need a huge piece of land yeah. is what we want for our dogs or our, our babies. And we want to have like a whole world that they can explore and yeah. whatnot. So if we wanted to, we've looked at say building a home and we like Lake Las Vegas, that area. But if we wanted to build a home on a really big piece of land, what is the process of building your own dream home? Yeah. So you want to just purchase the land and do new construction from there. Yeah. So you would have to find, and I do know a couple of people who do that, who build, you know, homes, but it was the same thing. You have to get a construction loan. You have to have your plan already in place for them to give you the construction loan because they're not going to give you a loan on just a, a land. And most land, I mean, there are some land deals that can be financed, but most land has to be paid in cash because there's no property there. So you can find a few land uh, lenders, but it's very difficult. But first step would be working with a builder and coming up with, with the plans. Plan. Correct. Okay, yeah. And then the loan, then the lender will lend on it because you have a plan that's in place. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. All right. Awesome. Um, and then for somebody like me who knows really nothing about the real estate <laughs> market, yeah. Um, how do you kind of stay current and stay on top of like changing market trends? Yeah. So I do, um, I stay with the brokers that I'm at. We have a lot of masterminds. We have every Tuesday, every Wednesday. Um, I've been in a lot of coaching programs and stuff like that just just to make sure that I'm going. I look at YouTube. I watch videos. I am super. Pro I do a lot of production. So that way I just I mean, I know from just being in producing myself. Yeah. And I mean, all like it's funny you mentioned YouTube. YouTube has literally everything yeah. these days. You could be an expert at pretty <laughs> much anything. Exactly. If you do yeah. the work and yeah. put in the hours and yeah. learn it on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, if I just want to see what other agents are even doing in other states with the market current at that current conditions, I'll just type it in. What's like, what are other people doing? And just, sure. just to see different ideas. But like I said, I want to mastermind with it's our uh, real brokers, a national platform. So it's one of two that you can basically recruit other agents into your brokerage in the whole United States. So there's EXP and Real Broker. Real Broker just got, um, Real Broker's been around, but it just got more like people have wanted to join Real more. It's just got more famous for some reason. Cause I think of, cause we do a lot of like collaboration things and masterminds and stuff. So um, yeah, we do have a mastermind every Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm always on those and anything. Yeah, anything I can be on. I have people send me links from other states from being on Instagram. So I'll get on their masterminds or- Awesome. So mastermind is, uh, you know, other people who work with the same brokerage yep. telling you how they navigate certain situations. Yeah, top producing agents. So like um, Spring Benson, she's out of Utah. She does, I don't even know how many people she has on her team now. It's something crazy, but she does over a thousand transactions in Utah. So she'll be on there with her um, other person that really, he's like, he doesn't only lead their team, but he does like a lot of coaching programs too, Justin Nelson. So he'll, they'll be on there, or Joe Herrera, the broker out of my office. Um, they'll be on there teaching like the current market conditions and what people are doing. So I'm always on there to learn more. So those, those people are not only selling homes themselves, but they're also kind of leading a team 
of other agents who are selling like yourself. Correct. I mean, they have huge platforms. They're coaching, they're speaking, the speaking events, they do coaching events, they do all kinds of masterminds. And I mean, it's just crazy. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, for the average person like myself who doesn't know anything about the market, anything that concerns you about the market or anything I should be concerned about, about the real estate market right now? Um, No, you know, it's just, it has to be, I always say, and what I hear like from everybody, it has to be your time to buy. Like any market can be good. It just has to be right for you. Like, so everybody's with the shifting of the market now, prices are obviously going down. And all the buyers like, is it a good time to buy? Well, I mean, there's different ways to look at it. You're not going up against multiple offers. You're not paying $30,000 more at cash out of pocket. You're, you know, you um, get the less sales price now. So, I mean, there's all these different great things for buyers right now. And, and like I said, their sellers are paying for um, the two one buy down. They're paying for closing costs. So I think there's all kinds of good things for buyers. It just has to be your right time. And what your right time is, is like, would define, you would have to define that. Yeah. So it's mostly based on me and my financial situation and everything like that. Okay, got it. And that's why it's so valuable for you to have the superpower of connection. Exactly. (laughs) Because you can understand all your prospects, what they really need, and kind of help them understand when it is the right time for them. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Okay. All right. So as far as some of your accomplishments, what are your some some of your most notable accomplishments in real estate so um, far? Since I've got into real estate, I would say um, because for the last three and a half years before I went independent, I ran a 1% team. I mean, we were top 100 out of 22,000 agents. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a super big accomplishment for me. I coached those agents every day for the last three and a half years. So that was big. Um, I was on Real Pro- Featured and Real Producers Magazine twice. Um, voted for Deluxe Version Magazine for top 20 real estate. Um, like I said, I sold 50 houses last year. Wow. Yeah. That's really so, impressive. Yeah. Okay. So 50 houses last year, and those are all in the greater Las Vegas area? Correct. So Henderson, North Las Vegas. I mean, every enterprise. Basically, I don't, I think before back in the day when you didn't have the MLS, people would specialize in one area. But I feel like because we're so, you know, you have the internet now, you don't have to specialize in one area. Like yeah. there, I've sold multiple houses over this whole valley and like, there's not a question that I really can't answer. So, awesome. yeah. So what are, what is like the favorite, just for you personally, I'm sure there was one property that really like stuck out that you were just like, I'd love this house for me. Yeah. So what was like your favorite property that you sold? I think I, I just, I have... <laughs> I'm such a weirdo, but like I have a vision for every house that I go into because at this rate, like I don't see just the house. I see the bones of the house and I can see the vision with remodeling it basically because I've seen so many flipped houses now. I'm like, oh, if the bones are good, like I would just do this and this and this to it where a lot of people can't see that vision. But I've um, sold million dollar properties that I've seen that I'm like, oh, beautiful, it's beautiful or whatever. Um, I mean, there's just so many. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to find. A it's favorite. hard to find. Yeah. Do, do you have like a favorite area? here in in nevada or um that's my other i'm like a weirdo with this i think there's good parts of everything i mean i think sky canyon is booming now i mean you can get houses for less out there it's a little bit further outside of town but the like the purchase price is left you get more land and there's all kinds of parks and stuff going out there um i mean obviously summerlin and henderson are beautiful right now i'm in mountain's edge um i own a property there but yeah i think just I think there's a lot of nice places in Vegas. (laughs) Well, you have a pretty positive spin on everything. So tell me about like, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face in your, in your day-to-day operations in your line of work? Yeah, I think um, the biggest challenge is just showing up every day and doing the phone calls and the follow-up and um, just, yeah, I think because I just went independent, I mean, it's just a whole other challenge of like restructuring the business and where I want to go with the business. I thought about, I mean, starting a team, my own team and what that vision would look like, um, or maybe collaborating with another team and doing something like that. So it's just the redirection of what I want to go. But the biggest challenges I would say is just showing up every day, making the phone calls, um, keeping in touch with people. Doing the work. Doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think sales professionals in all different industries uh, probably have the same challenge. You yeah. know, I, see, I know I see people in my industry who are same thing. They have the talent, 
they look right, they smell right, yeah. they can talk right and all that. Yeah. But you see uh, people that show up consistently and do the work. Then you see people that maybe do the work three out of five days, oh, four 100%. out of five days. Yeah. So how do you keep yourself sharp where you can consistently do the work and put up such strong numbers like selling 50 homes in a year? Um. I think just like I, for me, like I said, like I don't go out a lot at night. So I keep to my structure every day is going to bed at night, reading a book, waking up in the morning, going to the gym, you know, uh, structuring out my day and seeing what that looks like, setting up the little wins for the day, the goals that I have for the week and structuring it out. So I have those certain goals that I want to meet. So I know how to structure each day and just keep on top of everything, doing my phone calls. And I just... Yeah, you have to just want to show up for yourself, I feel like. Yeah, so all the little things, your routine, routine. your structure, uh -huh. where you're spending your time, yep. that separates you from Correct. from other people. Absolutely, because a lot of people don't, like, I, like we said, don't want to put in the work, and that's just what you have to do. Yeah. Well, tell us about a day in the life of Katie Meadows. So you wake up Monday morning. What time do you wake up? What does it look like from there? Yeah, so I usually wake up at 5 o'clock. Okay. I go to the gym, same thing, CrossFit every day at six o'clock. Mm -hmm. um, then I go home and get ready. I usually read my book in the morning before I usually read like two chapters a day. So I'll read one in the morning and one at night. Um, I go into the office when I get there around 8.30 or 9, between 8 and 9, I would say. And then I start making my, I write down the things that I need to get done that day. So whether it's a hundred phone, I usually do a hundred phone calls a day. Um, I go through my CRM, I update my emails, and then if I have showing appointments or listing appointments, I always, you know, do those during the day, and then I'm training for a marathon right now, so I'll go run at night, read my book. Um, so every day is a little bit differently. I just make sure that I structure, like, my phone calls and my updates, and, like, if I have, right now, I have seven listings, so I'm going in there on Mondays, I'm going in there and calling, you know, all of my uh, sellers and just updating them with what's going on with their property. Mm -hmm. Um you just yeah just setting appointments and throughout the day i'll have appointments that people that come in and awesome yeah and did you uh how did that routine evolve like before were you always waking up at 5 a.m were you always going to the gym or no so i was always going to the gym but not that early so when i was in cocktails i worked seven to three at night mm -hmm. so when i went into real estate my whole world changed like i had to just I mean, it was little by little. I was like, I'll never be able to get up at five o'clock. Yeah. And I would just start waking up earlier and earlier and earlier. So yeah, I just eventually got up at five. And like, I feel like if I don't get to the office by like nine o'clock that I'm late, I'm like, people tell me like, what are you late for? Like, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I'm being on a call. I just have so many big goals yeah, and dreams I'm, for myself. I'm late for me. Yeah, I'm late for exactly. me. I, I, I have goals that I want yeah. to accomplish, so I'm late for me yeah, if I don't exactly. get there. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just totally feel like it. such a, yeah, I just I just want to, just so many things in life I want. So I just want to just show up for myself in a big way. But yeah, little by little, I just added those things. I don't watch TV. My ex didn't watch TV. So when we were dating, we took the TV out. And I never returned it. <laughs> so so you, you keep talking about your goals and your goals seem to be the driving force behind everything you do, why you do your hundred calls, why you get up at five in the morning, why you go to the gym. So how do you keep those goals in the forefront of your mind? Um, are you journaling about them? Are you reviewing them once a week, once a month? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Like I journal every night. Um, that is super helpful. So I usually see a therapist a couple of times a month and she helps me like with my life a lot as far as like the pros and cons of things and thinking about things. And she's big into journaling and meditation. And um, I started recently doing breath work a little bit, which I never, you know, have you ever done it? Yeah, actually. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I never was a believer. And I'm like, I, this is just so hard for me because stuff like that, I don't know why it's really hard for me to believe in. I don't know. <laughs> but um so a previous couple of masterminds, they were doing breath, breath work. And I was like, this is so stupid. Why am I having to breathe for 30 minutes? <laughs> but <laughs> lately, I, I, I've been in um, one of my friends started teaching a class. So I went to one of her classes and like, I just think, yeah, it's a good way just to be in touch with yourself. Um, so, yeah, I enjoy that. So stuff like that, meditation, journaling and stuff awesome. like that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And can you tell, tell me about like, one of your all-time worst clients that you've ever had to deal with? Like, what, what does that experience look like? Oh, 
so um and i don't think he's on my uh social stuff that's okay you can leave out the name <laughs> yeah. just give me the, de- the description yeah so. um i would i don't know i think that i mean i think he was just something in his life wasn't something in his life had turned so he had bought purchased a property from me and then um he bought it as an investment property so he was never going to live in it he was going to rent it out and all of a sudden he, he put a large amount of money down um all of a sudden he called me one day he's like i don't want this property anymore it was like three weeks later and the market was it was in the time where the market was shifting um so he bought it and wanted to sell it three weeks later he's like i don't want this property anymore get rid of it for me you know and um he just he turned into like a complete nightmare yelling at me and like just craziness but i think something happened in his life which i understand which i don't know what it is because i asked him i'm like I don't understand why you're selling the property. You're going to lose money. And he's like, you know, it's really none of your business. Why I want to do this? I'm like, okay. And I was trying to help him. But um, yeah, I just, I, I don't, I haven't had any like super bad experiences. I think that was the worst just because he would yell at me every day and stuff like that. But nothing super like crazy or. How do you respond to that if a client is rude with you or yelling at you? Um, With kindness. I mean, that's all you can do. Um, I just told him like, you know, I feel, I told him, I'm like, you've been my friend. Like, I only met him at like two months prior to that or whatever. We looked at houses for 30 days and he bought something. I'm like, you're my friend. And like, I don't care if I lose money on this deal, like selling it for you. Like, I don't even care if I make anything. Like, I just present it with kindness and tell him like, I'm here for you because that's what I do. I feel all my clients are my friends and I care so much about them. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'll sell your house for free. Like, I just want you to be happy and whatever you're going through right now, like, I'm here for you, but he would never explain what he was going through. But I just, with kindness, that's all you can really do. Yeah. Well, yeah. hopefully, hopefully that helped or had a positive impact. Yeah. Is, do you think, uh, is there, so that's, that's the worst you've ever had? I haven't had any, person? yeah. I feel like um, all my experience have been super positive. Like I said, all my clients are my friends. I mean, I go to lunch with them. I go to their baby's birthdays or like, bring them pies on Christmas. How about some of the people you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't call them a client, but I know you do a hundred calls a day, Yeah. right? So some of those people are probably not super grateful that you call. I do tons of calls a day too, so I'm not judging you, don't worry. But um, what are some experiences you've had with people not responding positively to your call? Yeah, I mean, when you're doing those calls, you just have to be in the mindset for that you're going to get rejection. Mm-hmm. Uh, the calls when I went into real estate were the worst for me. They were awful. And my ex would like sit me in a row and be like, you cannot leave until you make these calls, basically. And that's when I really got okay with the calls. I think like a lot of people aren't good on the phone. I think I'm excellent on the phone now. So because I was locked in that room for so many days being like, I can't do this. He's like, you can do this. And I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy. But um yeah, just people rejecting you. They hang up on you. They cuss at you. They yell at you. Don't call me again. And I tell people, because it's so crazy, because you'll call somebody one time and they'll get so angry at you. And I'm sure they've had phone calls before, but they could be like nice and be like, don't call me again. I'd be like, okay, I won't call you again. I'm sorry. I'm here to help. You know, like that's what you're always telling. Like you want to help. You really do. And they think that you're like there to just sell them something once again. And I'm like, no, I just want to see. Because in some way or some form, most of the people that I'm calling have reached out about the house. Um, yeah through realtor.com or through lead systems, they've reached out for information. So when you're calling them and they're hanging up on you, you're like, you called me, you called me. Yeah, yeah, you filled this out. Like, what's your deal? I'm just giving you the information that you wanted. I got you. So yeah, but nothing like I can really, just yelling, but nothing too hard. And how do you keep yourself bulletproof? How do you keep yourself strong and sharp dealing with those rejections? Just going into it, you just have to remind yourself you're going to be rejected and just have that mindset going in. I mean, once they yell at you, you just move on to the next one. There's more people that need help. So, yeah, you just let it go. You just. Awesome. What's uh, What are some of your favorite ways to flip it when they respond negatively? So if you call me and you're following up because I filled something out on Zillow yeah. and I say, what are you doing calling me right now? Yeah. What's your favorite way to like spin that? Um, I could say like. For like people who say like, oh, you've been calling me like or there's a million agents calling me. I'll always be like, or no, they'll be like, oh, three agents already called me. And I'll be like three agents. are like, there's 22,000. So we're not doing that great of a job. Yeah. Like, so I'll always try to be <laughs> like a positive note on it. So so if I'm like, you're like the seventh agent yeah. who called me, you say. Only the seventh agent. I'm like, wow, we're not doing a great job because there's 22,000 of us. 
<laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And a lot of times I'm sure they'll laugh and then you can get right back exactly. to your script, yep. what you're really trying to talk yeah. about. Yeah. So that's the point is like whatever they're saying is to try to make them laugh and like get to know you. And then they're more open to your conversation. Definitely. Well, that's the common theme that keeps coming back up is that you sell through connection. You sell through building like authentic relationships yep. like best you can. I mean, on the phone, you're just trying to basically get them to give you a shot at building a relationship. Exactly. But the people who end up leading to a sold property, you've done a great job building a relationship where to the point where they turn into a friend and you're going to their kids' baby showers yeah. and stuff like that. So exactly. What advice or tips do you have for just for people out there looking to build strong, positive connections and strong, positive relationships with people? Yeah. Just um, start instead of making the sale, just care. Just care about those people. Just ask them questions, what you know their pain points are, what they're looking for, what they want in life. Like, don't just call and be like, oh, I want to sell you a house. Like, how are you doing today? Make conversations, you know, like, how was your day today? Like, does it have to be like, oh, do you want to buy a house? Like, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I'm a strong believer in that. I feel like people can't do well in sales and leadership if they don't care about people because yeah. you actually can't fake that. Exactly. People try and fake it all the time. Yeah. There's thousands of sales scripts out there of people trying to fake it, but if they don't really care, like you, I can tell you really care about the clients and the people. Yeah. It's not going to come off authentic and it's not going to lead to selling 50 homes. No, it's not. And maybe you sell that one home, but they're not going to send you referrals. Like I have people who send me their whole families. Like, yeah. Yeah. So you're not going to get that. Maybe you sell them that one, but I already feel like, and I know, trust me, I know tons of agents and I already feel like I want to text you when me and my wife want to buy home. So I get it. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you've had an incredible first four years in real estate. I what, have. Are, what are some of like the biggest highlights in those four years? Um, just being on Real Producers Magazine, um, running that team. That team was everything to me. Um, I loved coaching them. Um, just getting the awards for being top one percent. Um, yeah, just top one percent yeah. out of twenty two thousand yeah. agents. Yeah, in I Nevada. think when I left and went on my own, we were like forty one that month. Damn. Out of 22,000 agents. That's awesome. So. so you've accomplished a lot in your first four years in real estate. What what do you see in year five, year six, year 10? What does the future look like? So just really what I want to build out again is being able to be a mentor to agents that just get into the real estate business or who doesn't have enough business and wants to do more and just showing the ways to obviously accomplish that. People would be really lucky to work with an authentic leader like you. There's a lot of people out there who are in leadership for the wrong reasons. Yeah. People would be really lucky to work with you. I Yeah, and I agree because I've been with some coaches that I feel that, you know, are in it just for themselves and like you can feel that energy. So I just want to be something different where people can connect and... Yeah, it's tough because obviously you're here for money too. Yeah. I am too. Everybody, I, you know, like, of yeah, course. Okay, I'm not, you know, doing it just so that I can have no quality of life. No. Uh, finances have to come with yeah. it, but you can't fake caring about people. Yeah. You just can't. Absolutely. So plans for the future. You want to speak on stage. You'd like to get back into like leadership and leading a team of agents Correct. at some point. Um do you see yourself ever moving into any different industries or are you pretty set on sticking with real estate? Um, I'm pretty set on stick sticking with real estate. There's other other avenues that I would like to do. Um, I mean, I already own property, but I would like to own more property, maybe do some flips and stuff like that, but all in the real estate space. What like tips or advice do you have for any new agents or people that are looking to get into real estate? I would say... Most agents have a crazy mindset because like you, I said, you go into it thinking you're going to make a lot of money. It's just easy to sell houses. But my number one advice is to find a team um, that you connect with. And yeah, you do have to split a portion of your commission with that team leader, but they're investing into you. It's They think that it's cheap to run an office and to buy leads and to produce and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's not. And you can build a referral system out of those people you get from that team. So really going into it, I encourage to find a mentor, a team that you can go and build your sphere out and then go on your own. Because even though you're making less money, it's so worth it. That's awesome. Yeah. What 
for you, what, how big of an impact do you think your mentors have had on your success? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even to this day, the people that, I mean, not necessarily I'm coaching with, but I look up to like the, like I moved over to Joe Herrera's office and like, even like talking with him is just such an inspiration. And like, um, when I have questions, I'll reach out to mentors and people. And I met this other guy on Instagram and I asked him questions and like, he's offered me like getting onto his masterminds and stuff. And so I think it's just so important just being able to learn from other people and just, like I said, getting clients are hard and that's just not the gist of it. When you have that client, you have to know what you're doing. So I feel like just having somebody there by your side to look out to, to reach out to is just so super important. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, through, through life, you've, you've experienced a lot. You've, you know, you've went through this huge transformation of going from an average cocktailing position at Bellagio into real estate becoming incredibly successful there. So I'm sure you learned a lot about yourself and a lot about how to be successful in that time. What would you say is like the most valuable lesson that you've learned that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? I would say working hard. I mean, I think that a valuable lesson is don't stay unhappy where you're not happy at like you like change is possible it is you can do something other than just what you think you're stuck in like just take a chance on it yeah yeah so just be willing to take that chance because that success is possible and it's worth it yeah it's worth being happy you live one life like you don't want to stay in a just a a job that you're afraid to change like it it's possible to do other things and to be happy where do you think katie would be right now if you never made that shift like let's say let's say you never did take that course. Well, if you never took that course, you probably never would have changed careers. So what do you think your life would look like today if you never And even... if I never took those steps, I would still probably be at Bellagio, scared to leave, not knowing what I was going to do, being unhappy, and just living day to day, like a life I was so unfulfilled with. So you wouldn't have many of the great relationships that you've got in your life today. You definitely wouldn't have the income that no. you have today. No. Yeah, you wouldn't have the opportunity or the bright outlook on the future. So no, wow, all of the things. If you didn't take that one step, and because so, the first step was actually yeah that course, right? Yep, yeah, exactly. Was the was the course? So it's just learning about yourself and just yeah, trying other things, trying new things. So that course was the first step in the right direction. Correct. And then from there, there was the career change, and then the career change. That's what really exploded exploded yeah and i want to say also when i did go into synergy i didn't know what i was getting into like i just i was um see this is another thing is because back to going into real estate i uh was going to this uh event that had a bunch of entrepreneurs and um the guy that ran it was he had went to synergy before he's like do you want to go to synergy i'm like sure Sure, I want anything different. That sounds like, like a fun like, word. I want yeah. I want anything different. I didn't even know it was a self-help thing. I was like, I want to do anything different in life at that point. Like, I just want my life to change. Yeah. And so I said, just take chances. Like, I'm like, sure, I want to go. And it wasn't cheap. And so, yeah, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. When I showed up there, I'm like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> what did I get myself into? Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of people ask me, too, like, how I found or how I chose my career path and stuff. And a lot of people don't know. I responded to a Craigslist ad that just said, are you a natural born leader? Really? And that was it. <laughs> yeah. Was I like, am a leader. <laughs> there was like a two word description. I remember reading it and be like, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I am. And yeah. So I just, same thing. I took a chance. And then when I actually went to the interview, I was really impressed with everything. Yeah. So it's yeah. just taking that chance in life. Taking a doing chance. Doing something different. How many people out there do you think are missing out on like the life of their dreams just because they're not taking chances? Almost right everybody in life. There's that. What is the wealthiest people percentage of wealthiest people? It's like very small. Very, very, very small. small. 99% of the wealth in the world is held by less than half a percent. That's of what the, the population. percentage I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, I mean, there's not very many people that take their chances on themselves and life and happiness. And it's sad. Yeah. Well, I just think like, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, you know exactly. I, when I was looking at that interview, I was like, yeah, I might go and it'll be a waste of time. <laughs> I know. Like I didn't have anything else going on at that point. Yeah. So that's same thing for, with you. If you went to that course and it was 
a scam or a waste of time, okay. Yeah, exactly. A waste what, of an afternoon. Yep. What's for dinner? Yep, yep. And not everybody made it out of that course either. It wasn't an easy course to take. I mean, I think we started out probably with 40 people and probably only 10 people or maybe even less than that went through the whole thing because it wasn't easy. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think so many people, like, they're, I, I've never really understood this, but there's like a bad connotation or like stigma that comes with self-help courses, comes with therapy and all of that I stuff. Know. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people are against therapy or against self-help courses? I think a lot of people maybe, I think part of the reason people just can't stand to be with themselves and they just don't think that they need help. They can't accept that they need help. And then, uh, yeah, and then the other part portion is people think, oh, there's something really wrong with that person if she needs to go to therapy. And like, I found so, like, I didn't start going to therapy until a couple months ago, and I found so much joy in it. Like, she plans my pros and cons. If I want to switch something, she plans my pros and cons with me. It's not necessarily like, oh, I'm like, something's really wrong with me. Like, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. no, like, it's just, it's so, like, you get to express yourself and, and have somebody else's opinion that, you know, like, why or why are you doing that and have somebody else's opinion and somebody on your side like yeah it's just i don't know people just think yeah i'm just something's so wrong with me if i go and that's not true or people don't want to hear what the answer what the answer is going to be they're think, doing wrong or... i think you're right i think that's what it is is that people speak badly about therapy yeah they probably know deep down okay i could i've definitely got some stuff that needs to be worked on yeah but they're afraid to face it exactly so they kind of talk down on it Yep. And try and make you feel like you're the weak one for addressing that exactly. stuff. Exactly. So. Yep. And really, really, you're the strong one because exactly. it takes a lot of strength to come to battle with yourself and your feelings. And Definitely. Yeah. Okay. And so let's say if you were on your deathbed and you could tell the world one thing to make the world a better place, what would that one thing be? I'm going to go back with, to my connection. With, con make connections. Uh, live life. Like... You have one life to live and like, don't waste time. Um, I wasted so much time on things that I wish I wouldn't have wasted on. Just, yeah, just don't waste time. Learn your lessons and do something different. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Katie, it was awesome getting to speak with you today. You have an incredible story. And if people want to connect with you, where can they get in touch with you? Um, KDNM1 is my Instagram. KDNM1. It's Katie, K-A-T-I-E, Anne is my middle name, A-N-N, M as in Meadows, one. So Katie, Anne, M, one. Katie, Anne, M, one on Instagram. Yep. Awesome. Any and then other? Katie Meadows on Facebook. Okay. Um, those are the only two main ones that I use. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course.